You are listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister, followed up by question and answer exchanges with groups of his students. The first sashin I ever sat in, and to give you a little bit of background, a sashin is a seven-day sitting where you may have, I don't know, 12 to 14, if my memory serves, 12 to 14 periods of zazen each day, lots of kinhin, lots of walking meditation. You eat at your place, actually, in a highly prescribed uh, ritual called uh, oriyoki, or we use an oriyoki set. We have all these bowls that fit into each other, and you, you have these hand signals that let the server know how much you want, and it's uh, it really actually quite interesting. And some of you may have heard this before, but one of the most profound moments in that entire session was when I recognized how much noise the person next to me was making, and it wasn't stopping. His inhalations and ex- exhalations involved a great deal of uh, slurping, you know. You know, just, it's like he was chewing a banana with his mouth open. And after the first 15 minutes, I felt arise within me a certain lividness, you know. I'd carved out this week, and here's this guy who just can't be still, can't shut up. God dang it. The Zen stuff. Who needs, you know, I went through this whole amazing array of emotions. Um, and then it very consciously, uh, like the second period of Zazen, keep in mind, this is, this is you know, 5 a.m. on day one. The second period of Zazen, after our kinhin, um, I decided, you know what, I'm just gonna op- I'm just gonna be really kind of loving, and and you know, he's doing the best he can, and everything, and that worked for about ten breaths, and then I reverted right back into that habitual contraction of, okay, dude, shut the hell up. I mean, can you get it together here? Okay, we're sitting here, we're trying to be quiet. You want to support the person next to you by being still and being quiet. Even if you have an itch, rather than itching it, just kind of let that become the focus of your meditation. Get with the program. And this went on through day two. Right? And I could almost feel a certain vibration in me that was uh, attack-oriented in nature. I was living in this... Uh, bunker or castle that was becoming increasingly fortified with every inhalation and exhalation that this guy next to me was making. And something just popped. And that was that it was okay. It was okay that this guy was going to be noisy. I could sit there for the remainder of time just churning and burning letting my mind go wild with this creating all sorts of stories all sorts of uh, anger 
all sorts of resentment, all sorts of condescension, tons of negativity. I could have allowed that to happen, but um, my teacher, uh, when I was meeting with him in Dokusan, which is uh, where we, we actually meet and have kind of a, a you know personal interview, he said, how's it going? And I went, oh, it's fine except for the guy next to me, and in clenched teeth, I just kind of started to... And all he would do is just smile at me. He even chuckled once, which then pissed me off even more. You know, it's like, damn it, this is, this is big stuff, okay? You know, I'm here, I'm, I'm looking for enlightenment, goddammit, and, and what's this guy doing? He's chewing on a banana that doesn't exist. <laughs> and he just continued to smile. And his response was, so when are you going to let go? And I was like, oh, oops, <laughs> sorry. You know, back onto the cushion. And that carried me for the rest of the time. The guy next to me, his slurping only got worse. But my releasing of expectation the releasing of all that stuff changed the entire quality of everything from that point forward. It was nothing I did. It was what I didn't do, which is the teaching. It's not what you learn in this practice. That's part of it. Part. But the vast majority of it is what you unlearn. It's what you let Go of if you're going to take the Buddha's teachings and distill them into two words let go when are you going to let go from this place of letting go all things become empty all things become enlightening all things become manifestation of grace and ease all things open you all things become your teacher all things nothing left out everything begins to support this expanse and take you away from the contraction where we habitually dwell. The castle shows itself as a castle made entirely of sand. It's not going to defend you from anything. There will always be people next to you slurping. No matter what, no matter what, your relationship to that is what really really carries you into a depth of consciousness, into a depth of awareness that doesn't get shaken as much. Dogen Zenji, the father of the Soto school of Zen, uh, used to say in meditation, I'm paraphrasing here, in meditation we study the self and in studying the self, we begin to let go of or forget the self. 
And when we forget the self, we're enlightened by all things. That's unlearning. Unlearning. Letting go. Not attaching. Not clinging. Not grasping. Allowing. And then from that place of deep expanse, of total openness, act from there. Act from there. It will always be an an appropriate response. It will always be an act of intense generosity. I'm reminded of a a book uh, that Richard Bach, the author of Jonathan Livingston Seagull, wrote called Illusions. And in the uh, beginning of that book, um, I was so moved. It's it's been several, about twenty some odd years now. So forgive, but I just this this image stuck with me, where this uh, gentleman just kind of penned out this cool little short story about these beings that uh, lived in this river, and each one of them held onto this rock, and the river was was washing past them and they're just hanging on the, how you doing? Yeah. You hanging on too? All right. Good. Good. You doing, you, you doing okay. Looks like your grip's good. Okay, cool. We have our rocks, you know, you're next to me. Everything's good. And in this onslaught of the river, continually hammering, 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 hammering they were just expending this energy, hanging on to the rock, doing everything they could because by golly, if you let go, you're floating away. Until one of these little creatures decided, this is stupid. And lo and behold, he started sailing up. And all the other creatures that were holding on to the rocks were like, what's he doing? He can't, he's flying, he's flying away. He's floating. And he went along with the flow of the river. Now, of course, there's this huge messianic, imagery that goes on here you know that all he did was you know he this is like you know the kind of the christ figure or whatever you want to say but all he did was let go he did not deny his responsibility he did not totally negate the world he changed his relationship to it Letting go of our rocks, not pushing them away, but letting go of our rocks changes our relationship to them. And in essence, meditation is that process. Meditation is consciously apprehending the surrender. That surrender is a felt experience the minute our bodies and our minds become still. And the minute that stillness happens, we find this limitless supply of courage to continually let go. We're no longer attached to our bodies, to our minds, to our wealth, to our desires, to our spouse, to our kids, 
to our world. We're not negating them, but we're no longer trying to micromanage everything, everything, everything. It becomes macro-management in the most expansive way any of us could communicate. Sometimes I hear people express this as, so we just detach and everything's okay. I, I really have, I struggle with that word, which means I have an attachment to that word, right? Detachment. Detachment to me always has a connotation of rejection. Okay? Unattachment. If we become unattached to things, unattached to our bodies behaving in a certain way, we become unattached to our spouses or our significant others behaving in a certain way, doing certain things. We start to literally change our relationship to all of our expectations, all of our wants, all of our desires. And in that openness, there is a limitless supply of fearlessness to continue that practice. It feeds on itself. Continual opening, just like a lotus. And where does the lotus come from? The mud. You look at these most beautiful flowers, and they come from the muck. And out springs this amazing, amazing manifestation of the infinite. We too, when we are in the muck, we have the ability to become intimate with it, let go of it, let go of our tendency to want to change it and be with it fully without indulging it, but just being with it fully. And when that happens, when we actually are with it fully, we are awakened by all things. We're ultimately letting go. We are surrendering and nobody's chomping and slurping can move us from that space of infinite openness okay i'd like to start off by saying michael i know you aren't supposed to take compliments but my observation of myself i'd like to express to you that Spirit has found great voice through you. And I feel it when you speak in the sounds, in the vibrations, in the, in the stillness. It's beautiful. And make sure that you don't dissolve into that. That the most important move of all after letting go is letting go of letting go. This is what allows us to come back in to the world and create a functionality, a free functioning, spontaneous we that acts as I. Yes. Yeah. Hi, Michael. How are you? Good. Good. Um, speaking of detachment. Unattachment or detachment? 
Detachment. Detachment. Right. Is it okay if we call it unattachment? Unattachment. It's just I think it's better because detached, with the, at least what I was trying to articulate. Right. The detachment reminds me of I'm not even feeling Completely. it. I'm okay. not even feeling it. I'm not right. Right. And unattachment is, huh? Unhooked. Gotcha. Yeah. When you're dealing with somebody, um, and you're trying not to let their personality affect you. Uh -huh. Like, I have to talk to my mother tonight. Good luck. Thank you. <laughs> and every time I talk to her, yeah. I could be on this level. Mm -hmm. By the end of the conversation, I'm on this level. Mm -hmm. I understand the unattaching part. Mm -hmm. Is there a part in the practice that addresses how you react to the negativity, to the victimization yeah actually the buddha wrote a, a series of sutras on mothers and mother-in-law and mothers-in-law and how to deal with them i'm teasing you of course you, 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 you guys are looking at me so seriously right there. did wow that was, that's amazing he knew a lot <laughs> the 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 trick to this is um uh, I went through this metaphor last week, I believe, in a, a couple weeks prior, but I, I've, I've always loved the metaphor of we walk through life armed with our mind. It's an armor of mind. You could also call it an armor of ego. And that's what defends us from the infinity. Because the minute the armor's not there, we begin to merge with all that is, right? So we have this armor to hold everything in and keep everything out. Well, that armor, if you can think of it, uh, actually is very, very close the more um, weight a particular story has. Mothers have just about the greatest weight of any story, okay? And so what that does is it automatically brings then the armor close to our bodies, and any little dent hurts. And what that does is it sends us into a reactive pattern, okay? The trick beyond that reactive pattern is to recognize before you pick up the phone what is going to happen most likely. That there is this massive chance that she's going to do everything she can to let her unconsciousness act as a contagion to yours. Right? She's going to, her unconsciousness is going to try to bring yours in because then, believe it or not, there's comfort. There's familiarity. There's comfort in that familiarity, even though it may be excruciatingly painful to the soul. So what, what I try to do when I know I'm going to have a difficult discussion with somebody, and sometimes this works better than others, but is to know that that's going to happen and practice stillness, practice watching the stuff that comes up for me when somebody makes a comment that tweaks that in me, which is contracted. The only thing in you that will become tweaked at any comment is that in you, which is small. That in you, which is expansive, can watch all this stuff, all this stuff go on and have, instead of, instead of, I can't believe you just said that. It's like a, huh, wow, I, I, that's an interesting way of interpreting it. That comment is consciousness it's a potential of consciousness and unconsciousness cannot stand the heat of that kitchen.
It can't. So your mother, in this case, will either hang up the phone in disgust. I couldn't, I couldn't hook him. I couldn't get him to attach, damn it, thunk. Or there may be a spaciousness that begins to creep into her heart and yours in the, in the exchange. You are not dependent on anybody else for your expanse. In fact, her lack of expanse can actually support yours, support your opening. So your relationship to the conversation, as it's going on, try to be generous to her, try to be generous to yourself. Don't compromise integrity, don't comp but just be there, watch the thoughts, watch the feelings. And that from that place of watching, you are in the big self. And that always gives you more to work with, always gives you more space instead of the armor being right on you. It's this far away. So suddenly all the, all the attacks, you know, you're, you're still, you're doing all right, you know, inside, inside this expansive armor. Good luck. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know how it goes. Yeah. Hi, Michael. Um, Sometimes I wonder I if um, by using the technique of letting go, letting go, if you don't get in situations where you're putting up with stuff that you shouldn't be putting up with. You know, like say, you know, situations that, you know, of an abusive person at work or right. whatever, or, or, you know, in the case, maybe him with his mother or you with a, a spouse or, 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 I don't know, at work. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes you're just so much into trying to let it go, let it go, and and um, it keeps you in a situation that you shouldn't be there. Right. You really shouldn't be there. So I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's a g it's a great it's a great comment, and and the it's a source of immense confusion because what we don't want to do is confuse letting go with it's okay. Right. Denial is the opposite of letting go. So in other words, this practice, to give you an example, visually you can think of it like leaning in, you want more of something, or you'll tilt back and push away, right? Those moves there, okay? Gain, loss, those are the moves of ego. So if someone is being abusive, what's the most generous thing to do for yourself and for the other person? What's letting go? What does that look like? It may look like something that sounds like, I should say, it may sound like, don't do that again, ever. That sounds like an attachment, doesn't it? In other words, we have to be very careful, very caref careful that this practice not become permission for us to just not care about anything. That's not the teaching. It's a huge confusion. Tons of people have it happen all the time. But the most generous thing you could do for yourself if you're being abused is get out of there because that's your ego that's allowing that to happen. The abuser, it's their ego that's feeding off of your unconsciousness. All right? So leaving can sometimes be the most awakened thing you could ever, ever do. And that's letting go. Letting go of this job. Letting go of this person. Letting go of this relationship. Let, 
It doesn't mean push it away. It may not have to be pushed away. In fact, I'll tell you, it doesn't have to be pushed away, but your relationship to it can be made much deeper, much more conscious if you are very, very cognizant, very aware of the clinging, very aware of the pushing away, the denial. Allowing someone to do anything to you is not letting go. Uh, and for example, like, you know, situations uh, where, um, you know, in a co-worker or something that, something, well, you had the, the instance of someone next to you doing mm -hmm. When he was chomping on the banana that wasn't there. Right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> which, which is true. It's, it's a really good, um, uh, a really good exercise to, to get yourself to where you, whatever that person is doing right. won't bother you. But he wasn't hurting me. Right. It was my, I was giving all sorts of baggage, Right. I was throwing all sorts of, I was creating all sorts of stuff in relationship to a very benign human activity, which is swallowing. He just happened to be noisier than most, okay? If someone, on the other hand, is coming from a position of attack, that you want to be very careful with. If a coworker is hurting you, you need to make sure that you articulate that in a skillful way. And if it involves anger, vengeance, or any kind of negativity, if your articulation does, then it's become unconscious. Is there a loving way that you can say no? Because that's awakening. That awakens something in them and in us. Gandhi did it. Martin Luther King did it. Christ did it. Buddha did it. Mother Teresa did it. You can too. You just have to unlearn to get there sometimes. But what you will uncover is that in you which is sacred. And that in you which is sacred is exactly like that in me and that in everyone else on this planet that is sacred. Um. One of my favorite quotes is uh, it's by Suzuki Roshi. Mm -hmm. He says, um, Zazen is life and life is a Zen. And, um, you know, you can you have can have all these great experiences here on the cushion. But uh, where is that? How do you start to learn to actually apply that to life? I mean, it seems like you come to those situations in life and 10 minutes later you realize you know, you realize you're conscious of what you did, but at the same time, you're like, when, when am I actually going to be able to start applying that, those principles to life? Right now. Only right now. Ever. Will you be able to apply those things? Right? Always in the right now. That said, uh, the application of what happens on the cushion is a gentle exercise. Okay? You start being able to deal with the stillness first on our cushion, we carry that stillness into the world of form and great movement. And then that which we practice on the cushion begins to inform our behavior in the world of movement. All right? So 
what happens then is there's this amazing kind of uh, uh, calculus that starts to form, which is that the pain in my knee is not that much different than the coworker who's being a jerk. That situation of the knee hurting and that situation of the coworker being a jerk eventually on a long enough timeline are temporary. We begin to develop an equanimity in the face of all of that. And then everything, 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 everything begins to offer us sustenance for joy, for a smile, even when it hurts. It's all bliss. It's all spirit. And we can rest there. Thanks for coming.